Stay fly. Stay fly. But when it's time to screw the American people out of having other choices, they immediately work together. When it's time to hand off the next round of trillions of dollars to the billionaires who put them in office, they work together immediately. When it's time to rob you of everything that you have worked for, even before you were born by creating debt in your name that you have to pay off over the course of 40 years with interest. But I will tell you, that being said, our greatest opposition in the beginning of the campaign came from the black community. Came from the came black from community. The black community. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Larry Thomas here on the Vol School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right. Welcome to Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge itself. Uh, I'm Seiko Varner, the host for tonight. I have my good co-host who will be popping in in just a second. We have a beautiful panel of achievers who are with us tonight in the political realm. And we're going to discuss the concept of needing better options. I personally believe that the Democrats and the Republicans are not serving us well. And I think we need better options. So tonight with us, we have some people who brought better options to the table. Spike Cohen, you know, Libertarian Party, you know, he brought better options. Jade Simmons, Independent Party, she brought better uh, options. We have the good brother Robert Wallace. How you doing? Yeah, uh, brought better options. So we're going to let everybody introduce themselves, but... Do we need better options? So answer the question and then introduce yourself or introduce yourself and then answer the question. Does America need and does black American also need better options? Jay? Yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't have, as we talked about offline, thrown myself into the fire here if I didn't think we did. I ran as an independent for president of the United States in 2020. And that was single because as we looked around for the last couple of years and we saw the options that were being presented, I still didn't hear a voice uh, or a message that resonated with mine. And I knew I couldn't have been the only one. So I definitely believe we need more options to be heard. We, we Let me rephrase. We have more options. I believe that those options should be given space, be made room for so that Americans uh, can see what their options are and choose accordingly. All right, Spike Cohen. Brother. Well, Seiko, thanks for having me on to, to give an opportunity to give my severely under-melanated take to this conversation. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think we, I think we need more options. And it's like Jade said, we, we have options. We are robbed of those options when uh, Republicans and Democrats create a series of barriers that make it functionally impossible for most of the people that are running for something to be able to even get on the ballot. So in my mind, we really are only given one option, which is the Republicrats and the system of thievery that they've set up to benefit themselves and the well-heeled, politically connected billionaire cronies who bought and paid for them to be in office. Not only do we deserve better options, but if we had access to those options, we would very quickly see that we that that we shouldn't even be considering the what I consider the one option that's being presented to us right now. Incredible. Jeff Staples, introduce yourself. Do we need better options? 
Oh my gosh, do we need better options? Yes, we do. Um, I can tell you, um, in our cities, in the Hampton Roads, uh, flip a coin, you're going to get the same thing on both sides. Uh, all the candidates in local and state elections have the same donors. They're all bought and paid for by the uh, energy companies and the developers and uh, many more. They're making big money uh, doing things the Virginia way. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in many underserved communities, the people that they continue to elect year after year uh, never get any decent news or anything. And um, they continue to be served by people that are not doing a thing for them. So yes, we definitely need better options. And who are you, Jeff? Oh, I am um, running for the uh, 81st uh, House of Delegates seat, uh, which compromises parts of Virginia Beach and Chesapeake. And uh, I am an independent candidate for that position. Beautiful. Brother Robert, I'm sorry, Dr. Robert Wallace. <laughs> I can call you brother after I said the doctor. No, you can call me doctor, brother. brother. Yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Spike came with the melanated answer. Doctor, brother, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for it. And uh, thank you all for allowing me to be a part of this conversation. Um, I mean, as you know, I, I just finished running for mayor of Baltimore City. Um, one of the most troubled cities in America today. This is a city that has been under Democratic leadership for the last 50 years or so. It's a city that the last four mayors, uh, the, two, two of the last four mayors, have been indicted for fraud. A city where poverty level is increasing. 85% of our children are not being educated properly. And you would think that a, a a solution, an option that was not your traditional democratic option would be um, very attractive. And I think it was, but I think that it's, there's so much inertia to change in these, especially in the cities, but in the country. And so uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see how we can, can break that, we can crack that nut and get a different, a different paradigm in place for our people. Well, one of the issues that I see is a lot of filibustering, no movement, things not getting done. And when they do get done, it's just crazy out of control, like Blue Cross, Blue Chicken. So, Spike, tell us a little bit about your conversation on Blue Cross, Blue Chicken. That Oh, man. Oh, Blue Cross, yeah. Blue Chicken. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not as frightening as it sounds. Um, so what basically the conversation that we had was about health care. And why healthcare is as expensive as it is. We are starting at X at where the problem is and trying to figure out why is healthcare so expensive. We're not starting at A, which is with the creation of the problem in the first place, which started with the creation of the comprehensive insurance plan to be able to get around uh, FDR's proposed wage caps. Uh, people did not want comprehensive coverage. They wanted to be able to pay their doctors directly because a comprehensive system is where everyone pays into a common pot. It creates this massive bureaucracy that you know works with your doctors and tries to figure out if you're covered or not. It allows the doctors to charge way more than they could charge you directly. It removes the price equilibrium. Uh, up until then, doctors could charge what patients could afford 
or they didn't have any patience. But once now it's being decided by a multi-billion dollar company, well, now they can charge whatever they want. And then a series of, of other bad government decisions, one after the next, over the next several decades, is what led to the system we have now. And, I, and Blue Cross Blue Chicken was me talking about if we paid for chicken sandwiches the way that we pay for healthcare, you would be paying you know, several hundred times more than you're paying now. You'd be getting a subpar product. You would be paying hundreds of dollars a month out of pocket in addition to your your Blue Cross Blue Chicken premium. And you would also, you know, you'd get a, a substandard uh, product as a result of that. Um, so it's, you know, it, there, there's a whole conversation to be had about how we can reform health care. Uh, but first of all, we have to look at why it's so expensive to begin with. And neither Republicans nor Democrats have any interest in talking about that because they're both in the pocket, pockets of big pharma of big insurance and of big medical centers. And so the, in that, uh, that, that paradigm they've created to once again rob us for the benefit of the, of the multi-billionaires that put them in office, we're never going to hear those solutions from them. And, and Spike, thanks so much for coming on the show. I guess my question really is about, you know, it's 2021. More than half of Americans actually prefer and want a third party. Right now we have words such as Ranked choice voting, we have term limits, we have a lot of buzzwords that are being thrown around. In your opinion, what is the biggest roadblock or barrier to having that third party uh, really be represented in American politics? The FEC and ballot access laws. Those are the two biggest things. I'm a fan of ranked choice voting. I'm a fan of, um, of term limits as well. They aren't salute these solutions, but they certainly would help. The biggest problem we have is that on day one, when Republicrats decide that they want to run for office, they get basically automatic ballot access. Everyone else, if they want to get on the ballot in especially in all 50 states, they have to spend millions or even tens of millions of dollars over the course of years and have to get millions of signatures across the country to qualify for all the different state ballots. At the same time, the FEC is giving hundreds of millions of dollars of your money, the taxpayer money, directly to Republican and Democrat candidates for them to be able to use it however they want for their campaigning. So they get a subsidy. The biggest parties that control every lever of power in government in this country get a subsidy while the rest of us get a barrier that they don't get to be able to get on it. If you simply remove the subsidy and remove the barriers and equalized access, then you would right off the bat, even with the, the billions of dollars in funding that uh, I said we're certainly never going to get because we're not going to be in the pockets of, of a crony corporations. But even if you just remove those, that subsidy and that barrier to entry for, for third party candidates, we'd be in a thousand times better situation than we are now. Yeah, I, I'd just like to jump in and say, you know, Spike's bringing the knowledge in terms of the written requirements for independence or any other party to get on the ballot. Let's just toss in a bit about the corruption behind the scenes <laughs> to even combat you as you work to run the uphill race of the legal requirements. Uh, right after the election, I heard a podcast that I, that I really admire, and they were talking about just the improbability of the current election result being rigged. And while I do believe the results were the results, I believe Joe Biden won, um, I don't have a problem actually having a discussion about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Because what we saw as, as a candidate we saw blatant attempts to keep us off of the ballot. Um, we were at the point of having to sue Indiana and California for doing things to us that 
they knew they didn't have to worry about because first of all, since the media wasn't going to cover our story anyway, they could do things that were downright illegal. And then there was no recourse for the independents. So if you go to the Secretary of State in each of these states, they'll have a council for Republicans, a council for Democrats. They make the decision of who gets on the ballot. So when you want to come back and say, hey, wait a minute, we did everything right. You still didn't give us access. Who do we talk to? Guess who you talk to? The same people who didn't grant you access to the ballot. Um, we had a situation in Indiana where Spike will tell you sometimes there's a time deadline. Your mm-hmm. information has to be in by 12 noon on Tuesday, July 12th. And we met that requirement, kept tracking and everything. Our paperwork arrived at 9.02 a.m. It was due at noon. They still denied us. And we said, we have the paperwork. They said, well, it was waiting in the mailroom. It's your fault. It didn't get from our mailroom to the desk of the Secretary of State, therefore, you're denied access to the ballot. So there's that kind of stuff going on behind the scenes. So first of all, the legal requirements are ridiculously um, hard to to meet. But then you have to deal with the fact that, I love how Spike is saying the Republicrats, the fact that, or the Democrats, right? The fact that parties rarely work together outside publicly. But let me tell you, they are in solid cahoots when it comes to keeping anyone else off the ballot. And here's why Americans are not stupid. As soon as they are presented with another option they can believe in, they will move that way. And we know that because we had people who discovered us on the way to the polls and decided to vote for us. So they don't need two years to decide. They know a better option when they see it. But the key is they have to be able to see it. In Ohio, we had a situation where uh, they successfully kicked, this is exactly what Jade was talking about, they successfully kicked off the Green Party off of the ballot because they didn't, there was one page that was missing one signature. Yeah. It was a a duplicative signature and it was on a very confusing page. And now thankfully the Libertarian Party, uh, you know, with our army of lawyers that we have, was able to make sure that we had that one signature. Okay. And so we actually fought on behalf or in concert with the, the Green Party to try to get them restored. And they said, nope, says right here, you got to get that signature. Here's the kicker. Republicans and Democrats didn't even have to fill that form out. No. They also it, don't it have to corrupt. file with their vice president. You know, there are all these different hurdles yep. when a Republican or Democrat, when their nominee goes for president, they don't have to name, as we all know, who their VP is until they feel like it. Whereas when we register, we have to have that stuff in place. So it was an incredible education just getting to see how the system worked, but maybe more importantly, how it is designed not to work uh, to give Americans other options. Oh, it's definitely a feature and not a bug. They, They intend it to be this way. Absolutely. I appreciate the the comments from from Spike and Jade, especially on the national level and organizing when it comes to the independent party and and other and other movements. Uh, before I let uh, before I let Jeff and the uh, the good doctor jump in, I just want to say a statement about Virginia politics. So, in the state of Virginia, you actually when you run for mayor, city council, uh, school board, um, sheriff, you're actually not allowed to run with a party. You actually have to be an independent candidate on the ballot and that's the way that virginia does it obviously the park can always nominate someone but that's at least here in virginia how we do uh some things at the local level 
I do want to turn it over to, to Jeff and to the good doctor about either anything, whether it's ranked choice voting or how you view the independent party, either on the local or on the national level. Uh, I'd like to say that um, this goes so deep that sometimes the Republicans and Democrats eat their own um, in the local races here in Southeast Virginia. Um, Oftentimes they'll have, say, four people going for a post. And instead of the registrar checking the validity of the ballot petition signatures, their uh, chairman of the different cities are the ones that do that. Uh, They have a committee that does that. And several times there's been um, some shenanigans going on where there's been a lot of uh, people that have not been part of the party establishment, had more than enough signatures, should have been able to be in the primaries, but they were deemed to not have enough. So it extends all the way down into those parties themselves, uh, the Democrats and Republicans. Um, an, another thing is the um, <sighs> what happens is a lot of times Chesapeake, for example, went 52 to 46 percent for Joe Biden in this last presidential election. How is it that they're only able to elect one school board member and uh, the Democrats are only able to elect one school board member and one city council person out of nine? Uh, something something is not right there. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's it's a basically a coalition. Um, I've worked the polls for myself and some others, and I've actually seen uh, family members and uh, known associates of candidates for one party working for the other instead of their own candidate. So <laughs> I sound like I'm promoting some cabal or some QAnon thing here, but that's exactly how how deep it goes, you know. Wow. Uh, wow. That gets well, you know, it's interesting. My situation is um is 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 is, is uh, very similar. So so I'm I'm running against big city machine politics. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore is ten to one Democrat. The state of Maryland is, I think, four to one Democrat. I mean, we are blue, blue as you can get. Right. <laughs> so I'm running against the machine. I ran against the machine, and like Spike said, first of all, procedurally, yeah. they they put these impediments up and make it difficult and cost you money to even be considered. I was the first candidate, the first independent candidate in Baltimore's history to make it to to make it to on the ballot. Right. The first time it's ever been done. I got about 30% of the votes in Baltimore City. But I tell you, not only was it procedurally challenging, but process-wise, to Jay's point. I mean, every every barrier they could throw up um, uh, for me to overcome, they did. And it got pretty ugly. I mean, it got to a point where I'm talking about city politics here. They would attack our vehicles. They would send out people who were threatening my, uh, my 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 donors. We had a number of restaurants in Baltimore who were putting on fundraisers for me, and they were sending in they were send in the health department to those restaurants, right? To all of a sudden they had these health violations that they wow. had to take care of. Yep. We had yep. I had donors 
who were threatened that if they did a fundraiser for me, that they would put them in the crosshairs of the Democratic establishment. So I'm talking about dirty politics here. You know, sit in this inner city, you know, brute, you know, bad kind of politics here. I mean, so it's not only procedural, as, as Spike is saying, not, it's not only process, as Jada is saying, it's also pretty violent. Yeah. Violent yeah. in terms of threatening and, and being, being physical, being physical. So it's really a very big challenge. But I would say this though, the, what, what I would say, what's more important to me to overcome this barrier is people's thinking. There were a number of voters in Baltimore City who said, Bob, I like you, man. I like your platform. I like your program. But guess what, Bob? You can't win because right. you're not Democrat. Yep. That's a thing. That's a thing. The mindset. Mindset. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Hey, that look, um, one of the things that I'm fervently interested in is finding ways to empower the so-called black community. And when I look at what the Democrats and the Republicans over the last 30 years have done, I don't see anything that served us. I don't think we have it politically. We don't have any friends. So am I seeing this wrong? Jade, am I seeing this wrong? Spike, am I seeing this wrong? Bob, am I seeing this wrong? Jeff, am I seeing this wrong? Am I seeing this wrong? Because I don't think we politically have any friends. Jade. Man, that's a whole other show. I mean, with the <laughs> crossover, right? Um, okay, so as the as the black female who ran for office, um, I will tell you this coming up to on what what Wallace was saying, right, about the mind section. I saw this incredible graphic floating around on social media, and it had these sheep in this classroom. And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. And uh, the caption said, here we are in the room trying to figure out which one of these animals to allow to have us for lunch. That's yep. basically what the decision came down to. And, and that was very accurate. But I will tell you, that being said, our greatest opposition in the beginning of the campaign came from the black community. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of barriers there we had to overcome. One, we weren't really expecting. Um, and I think it is this mindset of politics and politicians being our savior. Now I'm talking about whether you're black no matter what people group you belong to, the first place you go wrong is setting any of these guys, myself included, up to be the savior. That's right. Um, and I think Amen. that the black community in general has opted for the Democratic Party as the savior. Now you have maybe a figure like a Candace Owens who says, let's flex it and go to the Republicans. Now I'm like, that's going from what the, you know, the what is it, jumping out of the pot yeah. to the frying pan. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I, what I felt like running last year, um, and this is not to glorify myself personally, but I think the metaphor makes sense to me. When I think about a Harriet Tubman, thinking about how am I gonna get out of this situation we're in, I imagine there were people saying to her, wait a minute now, listen, this master right here, is not as bad as the other master. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to risk everything? You're going to get us all in trouble. We're going to follow you to where now? Where are we going? What's the plan? And that's what it sort of felt like. Um, you know, you hear the mindset that Jeff was saying is, you know, listen, can we can we win? 
can we win? And I think we have to have a radically different idea of what it means to win first before you're going to see a mindset shift. I think winning has been interchanged for settling. And I think that's what you're seeing amongst various people groups. Small business owners are settling. Farmers are settling for the Republican Party. Small business owners are settling for the Republican Party. Um, poor people are settling for the Democratic Party if they're finding the time to vote, right? Black people are settling for the Democratic Party. So I don't think we have a solution. I think we have false friends who, who show up at our doorsteps right in time for the election. Uh, same for the Hispanic community. Uh, suddenly we care about issues at the border um, and immigration right around that four-year mark. But now we have to watch in these intermittent years to find out what an administration really cares about. And unfortunately, I think a majority of that time is going to be spent appeasing the, the corporations that got us in the office in the first place. I think mean, that's what you're going to be seeing for the, for the most part. Outside of the executive orders, which look good in the beginning, but many of them were memorandum. That's very different than actual legislation being passed. Wow, Spike, uh, what says you, man? Are, are the Democrats, Republicans, are they looking out for me? I think no. Am I missing a boat? No, I don't. Well, first of all, we have to look at an entire system that was started on the idea of importing an entire race of people and using them like cattle and recognizing that this system is the one that we're still in now. They just moved who's in charge of the cattle from the uh, from private slave owners to the Department of Corrections. But the system still exists today. And there's there have certainly been improved. I'm not comparing the system now to being as bad as it was during, you know, prior to the Civil War. But it's certainly not the massive improvement that many try to pretend it is. There have been some creature comforts that have been added. There have been some semblance of rights that have been added. But largely, if you look at the fact, for for example, that uh, uh, the average black person is nearly half as much as likely to own a firearm as a as their white counterpart. And yet they are seven times more likely to be in prison for a gun crime. And if a white person and a black person are convicted for the same gun crime, a black person is something they're likely to get a five or six times higher sentence, a five to six year per year to the white person disparity for the exact same crime under the exact same conditions. And we could do that with everything, gun crime, drug crime, all of these victimless crimes where people didn't actually hurt someone else. They just basically competed with big pharma most of the time. And then they end up in prison where they are used essentially as slaves uh, in, 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 in a cage system. And then if and when they ever do get out, they are robbed of their opportunities to be able to work or to be able to uh, to be able to have a business because of the, the felony record that they have. Uh, they, they aren't allowed to leave a state. I mean, there are all these situations that come up as a direct result of being run through a machine. We could start even earlier where you talk about the, the school to prison pipeline, bad schooling leading to bad outcomes, leading to you know prison time and recidivism. And this stuff, it hurts all of us, but it, it wildly disproportionately hurts communities of color and uh, and and you know the marginalized among us and a perfect example of this is Joe Biden Joe Biden started his career working with segregationists to roll back some of the integration reforms that came out of the Civil Rights Act he said in the 1980s that he had been he would have been against uh, uh, integration if he had been in office because he didn't like the idea of his children growing up in a racial jungle. Yeah. His words. This wasn't in the 50s or 60s. This was in like the 80s. Uh, this is a man who wrote the 1994 crime bill, which has led to more people of color being put in cages than at any other point in American history, including the height of slavery. 
This is a man who wrote the 1995 and 1996 uh, uh, anti-terrorism bills in in response to a white man, Timothy McVeigh, blowing up a federal building. The 95 and 96 crime bills have disproportionately wildly been used against communities of color. The Patriot Act, which he was uh, instrumental in the creation of, did the same. Uh, This is someone who has spent his entire career uh, running on the victimization of really of everyone, but especially the most marginalized among us. And I, I don't need to tell you that Kamala Harris is one of its most brutal prosecutors of the laws that Joe Biden put in place. And yet the Democratic Party, in the wake of the George Floyd protest, in the wake of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the protests of people actually getting out in the streets and saying this has to end. We need to end qualified immunity. We need to end the war on drugs. We need to end disproportionate enforcement of things like occupational licensing laws against communities of color. We need to end all of this so that we can be free because our lives matter. The Democrats' response to that is, okay, we're going to give you uh, Barack Obama's vice president and a, uh, a black woman. But don't ask about their records. And one of the first things that Joe Biden did when he got into office was summon a meeting, a Zoom call or whatever, with all of the different civil rights groups, except for Black Lives Matter, of course, to get together with all of them to tell them, and I quote, to help with y'all. Like, that's literally what he said to them. And then after saying to hell with y'all, he spent 15 to 20 minutes explaining why he wasn't going to do a single damn thing he said he would. Now, the Republicans did the same thing, like like Jade was saying, with farmers and with suburban white people. And yeah. with, you know, we, we have an identity. Yeah. We have an identity politics system where increasingly, if you're white, you're supposed to vote Republican. And if you're black, you're supposed to vote Democrat. And, you know, you will get a lot of white hot rage from people saying you can't stop. You can't stop Joe Biden from from stopping Donald Trump. What are you doing? And it's like, well, no, they're actually pretty much the same when it comes to how you're going to be affected in your day to day life. Um, a perfect example of, of, as Jade was saying, the, the these memorandums, uh, we, we've heard a lot about how Joe Biden just ended private prisons. No, he didn't. What he did was he said that the Department of Justice uh, or Department of Corrections now had an option to not uh, continue uh, renewing their their uh, contracts with with these private prisons. Well, first of all, only 10% of the prisons in the federal system are private. That's mostly a state thing. Second of all, the biggest user of private prisons on the federal level is Border Patrol, who has these concentration camps set up on the on the border. This memorandum did not affect them. They have to continue using these private prisons where, where most of the abuses were happening. So, no, you're, you're not going to get solutions Wasting your vote is voting for the people who created the mess that you were in and hoping in vain that this time they'll fix it if they get just one more out of the dozens of chances they've gotten over the past couple hundred years when they're the ones who set up the system that we're in. Spike and uh, Spike yeah, and Seiko, uh, I gotta, I have to, I have to jump in here. I'm getting a lot of things on Facebook. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of messages. Um, I really want to direct this this question to any of the panelists, but looking back through our history, you know, everyone says, "Okay, I need to vote. I need to vote. Vote. That's how I make my my voice heard. However, we look at the independent party. We look at I believe it's Ross Perot was the last independent candidate to get more than five percent of the uh, general vote. So what do you say to those who say, listen, I don't want to waste my vote. And this person is better than this person due to diversity in the cabinet, due to policies that help me out. And perhaps we can start with uh, Dr. Robert, who I know is, you know, ran for the mayor of Baltimore. It's like one of the great American cities. It is a it's a heavy blue city. Um, and what do people say when they say, hey, like 
Black Americans always are only going to vote Democrat. What do you have to say about that? Because no one wants to waste their vote per se. And sure. even now, I think in in the you know 2020 election, you see people. Hey, normally I would vote for a third party, but this time, like this has to happen. So, love to get your thoughts, Dr. Robert. So, uh, I think it has to start at a grassroots level. I, I think that people are interested in who can help make their lives better. I think we start with holding the people accountable that we do put in put in office. So we put in the mayor, we put in the city council. And the question I kept asking people, is your life better today than it was five years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago? When we have we've had all these Democratic leaders in the city. Is your life better? And they all would say, no, it is not better. But I think what's missing is they've got to believe First of all, here that an independent solution can work and is winnable. And I think that has to start at the grassroots level. So what I was doing, sir, I was going into the neighborhoods, meeting with the gang leaders, meeting with the people, the neighborhood leaders and and, and selling them on my vision, which was the issue we have in Baltimore City. And I will argue across the nation. The issue we have is an economic inequality issue. Baltimore is two-thirds African-American. Yet, when you look at the prosperity of our city, you, you, you see very little diversity in the prosperity of our city, in the jobs, in the wealth, and in the power base. And my point and my platform is this. Until we change the economic inequality in the city through entrepreneurship, we're not going to fix the crime problem. We're not going to fix the violence problem. We're not going to fix the hopelessness that we have in Baltimore City until we fix the economics. And my whole platform was based upon that. And that does tie into the education system. But what I'm saying, though, Phil, we've got to get at the grassroots level and build upon that. It has to be an incremental approach to building that base of independence in these communities. Exactly. That's perfect. Um, Jeff, did you want to add anything? I know that you unmuted yourself. Oh, well, actually, that was an accident, but I'll be happy to. Yeah, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, what Robert has said there. Um, economic disparity, uh, even under President Obama, uh, got worse. Uh, it needs to get worse. Um, and that is... One, one reason why people think they're wasting their votes is because when uh, nothing ever changes um, and they keep thinking, you know, that, well, so they stop showing up to vote, too. But I've had so many people tell me I can't waste my vote. Um, if all of those people were to actually vote for the third party solution or, you know, we would win big. We would win big. That's right. Yeah. So everybody knows that the uh, game is rigged and uh, they're just playing along. Um, but yeah, I would love to uh, figure a way out how to persuade them. You know, in one case, I ran against a gentleman that had not been run against in 24 years. Wow. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, and how <laughs> people just keep showing up to vote for this guy. You know, even though the neighborhoods have gone steadily in decline. The yeah. jobs have all gone away. Yep. Um, it, it's just remarkable. Um, so, yeah, we definitely need to 
You know, one thing that really helps, though, is uh, social media. I am starting to see some glimmer of hope because uh, people like us that don't take corporate donations can actually buy reasonably priced Facebook ads. That's true. And and reach some people. So that might be part of the solution, too. Hey, hey, Phil, Phil, could I add, Phil, the other piece, uh, too, we cannot give Biden and Harris a pass. We cannot give them a pass. I think one of the issues I had with President Obama is that we gave him a pass because he was the first African-American president. I supported him and, and raised money for him, but we gave him a pass. We cannot give Biden and Harris a pass. They must meet our requirements of our community, regardless of what, you know, what their ethnicity is or what they say on, say on, on paper. We need to see action and hold them accountable. Wow. So I think before before I let Jade and, and Spike answer that, so um, I think we talk about, you know, we talk about President Biden and we talk about Vice President Harris. Everyone keeps speaking about accountability of our national leaders as well as our local leaders. I would love to get uh, Jade and then Spike's comment on how do we actually hold our elected officials accountable? Everyone says term limits. You know, that's not always a, a thing in, in Congress uh, due to many different factors. But would love to get your take on how, as the people, do we hold our leaders, our voice in different houses of Congress legislation? How do we actually hold them accountable? Well, I think the first thing that's going to happen, you know, as a nation, we're going to have to take a step back and look at the hypocrisy that we've been engaged in as individuals. I mean, we, I think about Christians who I'm a person of, of open faith. I've talked very openly about my faith. And one of the things that we pointed a finger at was how so many people of the Christian faith were able to support a president like Donald Trump. Well, those same people who pointed fingers at those Christians on that side are going to have to do the same thing on the other side. I think we have to now develop a culture of calling truth to power on both sides of the aisle, no matter whom you voted for. That is where what we noticed is that people were able to point a quick finger to one side, but they weren't able to do that same sort of hard examination on the side that they were with. And until we can get back to just looking at what's right and what's wrong, not talking about the subjective stuff that we've kind of leaned into, but we know as a people what's right and what's wrong. And I think what we, the damage we've seen over the last man, probably 18 to 20 years, especially, but in these last four to four to six years is this hyper-partisanship. And it's not that, you know, we talk a lot about Republicans and Democrats. It's not that either party started out to be bad. It's what the parties have become. Parties are designed to serve groups of people whose voice may otherwise go unheard. That is no longer what the function of the parties has become. It's been about keeping a group in power. The reason we care so much about midterms is because we assume and expect that the people elected will vote no matter what with their party. And that is a problem. We've lost now the objectivity that we should be demanding from our leaders. The fact that they are Republican, Democrat, Libertarian should be secondary to how they actually uh, legislate and how they vote. We should be demanding now that our leaders vote with their conscience and their heart, not just with their party. And that to me, I mean, it's a big walk back that has to happen, uh, but I wanted to just end really quickly on solutions because it's easy to spend a discussion like this <laughs> all on pointing out the problems. But one of the solutions is I believe that independent uh, parties 
uh, and minor parties are going to have to begin building their own media outlets. Uh, I know yes. you mentioned social media. Listen, we saw suppression on Facebook. We saw suppression on Instagram. We were shadow banned uh, for speaking truth to power. And so we now know that we're going to have to create our own media outlets. None of the outlets played along with that Fair Coverage Act or else everybody would have had Joe Jorgensen's name on their lips alongside Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So I think we're going to have to build our own media outlet. Um, and I do believe now that you'll see a lot of these minor parties needing to band together. Uh, in order to gain traction, as, as Dr. Wallace was saying, there's going to be an incremental kind of game plan that has to take place to see that power combined. Uh, but I do believe uh, access, creating our own media, because the current media who is paid for by both parties is not going to allow us another voice. Uh, and I will say that that has to culminate in our voices being heard on the on the debate stage. You think about Man, that diatribe Spike gave us just a few minutes ago. Had people seen that right next to a Joe Biden? I exactly. Would that the black community would have seen a white man they could have voted for. You understand? And so they knew they had to keep that voice silent because they would have seen another option. Uh, we, we know for a fact that there was a major producer who said they knew that we were running for months but decided not to cover us because they knew we would be a problem for Joe Biden. That's national media who's supposed to just bring the story. So I think media is going to keep creating our own media outlets. I agree 100%. I mean, everything I'm going to say is going to echo everything Jade and and Dr. Brother Bob already said. But the, the reality is that, you know, we have a system where people are wasting their votes and they express that. They say, I don't want to waste my vote. And I'll say, Okay, it's much like Bob said, are you better off now than you were four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, 16 years ago? And they'll say no. And I'll say, well, yeah, you have been wasting your vote. And the reality is most voters understand this. Almost half of voters who are eligible to vote do not vote. That is a huge vote of no confidence. That's which right. which is why I primarily target them. I, I also target Republicans, Democrats, you know, leaning voters. But I do a lot of outreach to people who have already thrown up their hands and said, this whole system is a mess. I don't it doesn't matter who wins. And I say, yeah, that's right. And here's why. Because voting for the you know, as as Jade put earlier, the, uh, you know, voting for either the the the, the, the wolf or the lion or, or the fox sure. and deciding which one's going to eat you, eat, eat everyone else before they eat you. That's a great way to end up in the abusive situation that the vast majority of Americans, especially the most marginalized among us, are in right now. And we have to look at why that is. Uh, I, I don't remember if it was Bob or Jade that mentioned this, but this isn't how it was supposed to be. The purpose of government was to serve the people. The problem is you serve who they are often serving who can serve them. And the reason that they are in this position is because of the system of theft that they've created. They have so heavily centralized all the power and the control into the hands of a small few in Washington, D.C., taking that power and that freedom and that money out of the individual communities across this country and centralizing it in one small corrupt town, which makes it so that the ultra wealthy, instead of serving the people to try to get rich and the politicians serving the people to uh, to get votes and to get control. Uh, instead, they're just serving each other. They've created a closed loop system and they rob us. Look at these ridiculous stimulus bills they passed. This last one that passed, 
We each got $600, or most of us, not all of us, got $600. That worked out to something like $150 billion of the $900 billion that they ran up that you will have to pay off. You and future generations will have to pay off with interest. Where did that money go? Well, $150 billion or so went to us. The rest went to major corporations and big government agencies across the country, mostly at the federal and state level. This was not made to serve us. We yes. just saw this this fiasco with uh, you know people on Reddit that are taking some of their money back on Wall Street. And after years of decades of market manipulation by hedge funds and Wall Street, and that was perfectly fine with them getting bailouts and making a ton of money off of our backs. A handful of, of gamers on Reddit, you know, crash. One hedge fund, and now yeah. all of a sudden, this is unacceptable market uh, uh, market manipulation. There must be more regulations in place. These regulations serve only to protect the powerful. If you do not have a regulatory environment in place that makes it disproportionately uh, uh, prohibitively expensive for the, the the little guy to be able to surge ahead and to threaten the the precious market share of the major mega corporations that run this country and really every major country on this planet, if you don't have those regulations in place, then people can thrive and they can begin to take their power back. You know, we talk about eating the rich. The Reddit bros were eating the rich in Absolutely. Wall Street, and as Absolutely. soon as that happened, all of a sudden we need more regulations. We need to protect our stock market What's our stock market if we can't get our money back right. well if i could add to what spike and jay said uh Tico, um see the way we the way the, the way we change this is we've got to be able to inflict pain yes. on these political leaders and how do we do that we do it two ways number one you have to uh, to to be clear on what you expect from them what you communicated to them and then once they're in office, hold them accountable for that. So if our mayor is talking about he's going to decrease the poverty rate in Baltimore City or he's going to cut the crime rate by 10 percent a year, whatever it is, then we need to come back to him every year and say, OK, here are the numbers. You are either making it or you're not making it. The second thing that we need to do is we need to find a way to bring together people in the urban centers and people and rural people. What the powerful have done, they have used race and other uh, and, and, and other divisive uh, uh, tools to divide working class people yeah. in the city and in the country. If you look at the needs of these groups of people, they have the same needs, but they've allowed race to That's be right. a divider. Yes. And we got to change yep. that. That's right. Wow. 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 Uh, so, look. Spike is with the Libertarian Party. Jade and Robert and Jeff are independent. Uh, well, do your independent parties, do your Libertarian parties, are they going to bring the solutions that the Democrats and Republicans seem to filibuster on? I can if if I can start with this. Yes, uh, we we absolutely we have a solution, and the solution is that we have to recognize what the problem is first, and then we can fix it. The problem is that a closed system was created for the benefit, basically a system of theft. Imagine if you were playing a monopoly game, and you all but two of the players were playing by the rules. You get you 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 know you, you roll the dice, you you get on your your. You know, you, you move to whatever your space is, you use whatever money that you've already earned in the game to try to win. And then when it comes to government and big bo- and big banks turn and big businesses turn, they go they go over to the banker and they go, I'm going to need a, a billion monopoly dollars. All right. Thank you. And then they start playing. This is the system that we have. How do we fix that? We take the power back. 
They have robbed us through a series of laws and regulations and imprisonments and controls. They have robbed us of our power. They've robbed us of our freedom to be able to make decisions for ourselves and our communities. They've taken all of that out and centralized it into their own hands so that they tell us what our schools look like. They tell us what our police departments look like. They tell us what our communities look like. We instead need to take all of that back, take that money that they've stolen from us, take that power and that freedom that they've stolen from us so that we, empowered with our freedom and our power and our money, decide what our police departments look like. Because I guarantee you it wouldn't look like the police departments we have now. We decide what our first response looks like, because I guarantee you it sure as hell wouldn't look like it looks like now. We decide what our schools look like, and I can't even begin to tell you that it would not look anything like it looks like now. The system of segregation we have in our school systems right now, all of that ends when the people have their power back. And that can only end by kicking these clowns out of office, by taking the power back, and by undoing and dismantling the disgusting, thieving, murderous system they've created and putting the power back in where it always damn well belongs, which is the American people. And see, power is the function. Power is the function of capital. One of the reasons that I was able to launch an independent run in Baltimore City and and get thirty percent of the votes is because I could bring to the table my own capital. Yes. And I think that we as independents, if we get about the business of creating the economic power that we need to have, then we can launch a stronger a stronger fight to take back that power. Well, Jay, did you have that same challenge in raising funds to be able to to influence things? Oh, God, I mean, we had the same problem, but you put on top of that the pandemic. Yes, um, and yes. because we ran on the idea and the concept, Amen. the belief of always prioritizing people over politics, we wanted to fundraise with integrity. And so we didn't ask for a lot of what other parties... I was on the mailing list for Donald Trump and Joe Biden, and I tell you, they they asked, right? I mean, every day they asked. <laughs> but the difference was that their uh, wells were already in operation. So that was a huge hurdle for us because we knew that there was a certain way we wanted to treat people and that had we won, we wanted to really officially be able to say, we are here solely because of you, you uh, put us in office. And so even as someone who works with corporations, with the financial services industry, the insurance industry, you know, a lot of my speaking engagements are in those big money communities, have those CEOs on speed dial, right? We refuse to even go there because we didn't want to look or smell anything like what had come before us. So it was a huge yep. sacrifice the way that we decided to fundraise and like uh, Bob, I put a lot of personal skin in the game there, right? You know, so it was an expensive run. And I, here's here's what I learned: even with what what we ran on was pocket change in comparison to either party. I mean, probably lunch for some some of them, right? <laughs> even with that, we managed to still stick around until November third. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris had to drop out back in November of 2019. Ooh. Ooh. Where is this money going? <laughs> that someone who's running on the lunch money of the major parties can still somehow stick around. Yet the major parties who are pulling in millions by the hour run out of funds. That was eye-opening. And we then said, "This, where is that money going? And if we took the money that a Donald Trump raised or a Joe Biden raised and actually poured it back into the communities, do you know how many problems we could solve before November 3rd even got here? 
So one of our determinations was to be one of the least expensive campaigns run in the history of the country because we wanted to prove that this shouldn't be about money and that it didn't have to. And where was that money going? We know now that money goes to pay all the staff, but the majority folks, yep. we all know this, to that paid advertising. Yep. And so even when we had, had to break down and pay because the local stations weren't covering us, and we learned so much about pay to play, um, all this stuff we learned about that you can't unsee, we saw how much trouble money was causing. Um, I would love to see, you talk about an executive order, campaign finance reform should have been at the top. Of there you it. go. That's right. That's right. Uh, money right. itself is disabling this country from having the leadership that it deserves. I, I want to, to and, and that's exactly correct. And I, I, I had my little emotional reaction there because you're hundred percent correct that, you know, the, Kamala Harris sat on more money than the Libertarian Party, which is the best funded third party exists. She had as much money as we did and quit. Yeah. This is how how rich, embarrassingly rich with money that these that these programs are that these that these candidates and these parties are. I want to I want to talk about Bob's uh, uh, what Bob mentioned about capital. This is a country whose government sits on tens of trillions of dollars worth of money and property that was stolen from Native Americans and African Americans. And they continue to sit on it. They continue to let it build up. This is a country who even before its founding, during the, the pre-colonial times or the, or the colonial times prior to the creation of the U.S., was built on the land that was stolen from the indigenous people and the labor that was stolen from an entire race of people that were brought here and treated like cattle. Right. Until we fix that, until we take all of that wealth and equity that has been stolen by the government and that they sit on themselves. I'm not talking taxpayer money. I'm talking their stuff that they're sitting on. And we distribute that in, a, in as equitable and fair a way as possible to the natives by giving them their land back and giving them their sovereignty back. And to African-Americans by giving them the money that was stolen from them over the past several hundred years. Then mm -hmm. we aren't going to be able to fix this is imagine a system where I started by going, OK, we're going to play a game. Everyone give me a thousand dollars and I'm going to leave you in chains for uh, a few years. And then after that, I take you out of the chains. I give you a few bucks, but I, I, I give you a couple dollars back and I go, okay, we're all on the same foot now. Well, no, we're not on the same foot. And until mm -hmm. we fix that disparity that was intentionally and systemically created at the very foundation, even before this country was founded and give people who are the descendants of people who had their equity and had their, had their, their, their money stolen from them and their labor stolen from them until we do that, then not only have we not fixed a moral dilemma that this country was built on but a real world capital dilemma that this absolutely. country was built on absolutely I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving these graphics I just saw <laughs> I, I didn't see who that was the first time that's table turning Jesus that's what? Right. You know, um, I, I mentioned at the at the city level uh, the, the 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 power of cash. Yeah. At the state level, and Jade, as you said, at the federal level. I mean, just having access to cash yeah. allows you allows us to move fast, to move quickly, to not to, to not seek permission. I don't need permission to do what needs to be done. And so, all I'm suggesting is, especially to minority and women entrepreneurs, that we need to keep building that economic base. So that we now can pivot 
into the political fight to make changes there. What we're seeing now in the state of Maryland, we're seeing a lot of of African-American entrepreneurs who have built their businesses, who have created their wealth, who are now pivoting and moving into, trying to move into political leadership. And they having a financial base gives them the opportunity to make that happen quickly. I know know Jeff's going to jump in there, but Bob and Spike, you guys better be careful. You know, this is the pivot that Dr. Martin Luther King made. Amen. Right before what? He was assassinated. Assassinated. Amen. Focus on that race issue, right? We were okay giving him a little bit of ground. You see, but when when, when he started talking about economics, the problem was those issues were now going to affect everybody. And everybody knows whenever you start talking about money and power, those things are never given freely away. Mm-hmm. People who mm-hmm. have those, it's, it's rarely seen that it's it's given. And so when you ask what kind of accountability now we're going to have to hold, we're going to have to be very wary of people who tell us to wait because they'll tell us to wait for certain things, but like Spice said, <laughs> right. it's, not, it's not socialism. It's not welfare. Right. When you're talking about corporate, it's uh, your money. Understand? But when you talk about what people need, the underserved, we get those words thrown back at us. So yeah, we're going to yep. we do. much we more do. educated base. And that is not a slam at people who don't have college degrees. It's now saying we must move out of this era of clickbait education where the headlines are telling us everything we need to know and we're walking around reciting that like we just got a PhD when really we got whatever that network wanted us to repeat on their behalf. Absolutely. These three and a half years now gives us a time to rebuild. Uh, I saw Andrea's questions. He asked, you know, are you guys willing to work together? Um, And I think that's the other thing that was Dr. King's downfall. He will tell you when it came time to get all the groups together to work together, you saw that same kind of interplay, right? So sure, it was difficult. I think that's the season we're in. But I think too. But I think too. If we go ahead, Jeff, will you want to say something, Jeff? I, I was, yeah. If you don't mind, I just want to um, you know, if there's any doubt, uh, all my life I've heard libertarians don't have a heart. Uh, listening to Spike tonight. Uh, definitely has a, a heart and um, also um, I voted libertarian in the past and I'll probably vote libertarian in the future uh, yes we are very willing to work with each other I think I, I can speak for a lot of us and give you uh, one thing you brought up was that when you start getting into their money they start to attack you so in 2015 I ran for this same position against the same guy and I raised 1% of the money that he raised, mm. and, um, and but I got 30% of the vote. Wow. And um, so the one thing that I attribute that to is there was lots of candidate forums all over both cities. Mm. And I everyone, and I'm just going to brag a little bit here, I did very well. Mm. And, and uh, I attribute that to my making a good showing. And um, I wanted to build on that, but guess what? The next two years, a lot of these affiliated organizations, mainly with the Democrats, uh, I'm not going to name them, but uh, people that usually hold these forums, um, all of a sudden they weren't able to hold them any longer. (laughs) uh, So it's, 
it's yeah so they get together and and they dry things up and uh take away wherever we find a way that we can compete they try to shut that down but yep hopefully uh we'll keep being innovative like these uh people the gamers were and uh and more power to the people see i agree wow. Jeff, being, being innovative and also being impactful, right? So, 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 Jay, to your point, the next three or four years that we are in the hunt, so, um, we've got to be having impact. I'll give you an example. So what we're going to do in Baltimore City, what I'm going to do is, is we're going to lead an effort to, to, to divide the city up in the neighborhoods where we have what's called food deserts. Food deserts. That means these are neighborhoods that do not have access to food markets, to, to, to supermarkets. What we're going to do, what I'm going to do with, with the, 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 the group that I'm forming, we're going to identify those neighborhoods and we're going to work on an economic development system that will make sure that every neighborhood, every food desert has a food store in that neighborhood. Now, I'm doing that not as mayor, but as a private citizen, building relationships, building momentum, having impact. And I think, guys, if we, if we do that, on a local level, and then incrementally build that up, we'll get to a point where they'll take us seriously. That's good. Yep. Yep. Wow, wow. Look, we want to bring this to a close with some solutions. So, it's obvious we think we need better options. What do you think the normal Joe and Martha voter need to do at this point with this new information? What's their next step? Jay. One of the things that we believe uh, the ulterior motive to our run was, was to activate others who had never intended to be in politics to consider running for office. Now that's twofold. I'm a preacher of purpose. I believe that people live and die without ever discovering what their purpose actually is. And purpose should always be tied to what the effect is we're having, the impact we're having on others. So what one of the things we're doing with Operation Restoration is working with other, uh, we call them surprise candidates. They've come out of nowhere. They're running because of a heart issue that they see that needs to be solved. And we're helping them with messaging and mentoring them so that they can be impactful in those forums that Jeff talked about. And here's the catch. They're going to be awesome so those opportunities may close the next time around so we're trying to get people in the door uh the side motive of that is that when we're in office holding office we need a coalition it doesn't do an independent any good right to be president (laughs) when your congress is all left and right hell-bent against you so we're working now to get other people in a position Uh, to help us as we move forward as a nation. And we're helping Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents who have a similar like-minded heart for people. So regardless of party title, we're helping those that have that same heart for people because we want to see a caucus basically arising from multiple sides. All right, uh, Jeff, Jeff, we're going to go Jeff, then we'll go Dr. Wallace, and then we're going to end with Spike. Same question. What should the normal voter do and what should you do as a burgeoning politician? So I'm going to give you a little uh, truth here. Uh, Virginia is the number one nation, the number one state in the nation for business. We're the last on the list for the worker. Yeah. So one of the things that um, 
you can tell how much pro-business your legislators are is they'll receive an endorsement from the local chamber of commerce. Uh, the chamber of commerce wants to do things like keep minimum wage at seven twenty-five an hour. Uh, they want to make sure that there's no um, help with you getting health insurance and many, many, many other issues there. They also want to keep the unions out. They want to keep uh, your wages artificially low and they want to keep education costs high so that most people can't get an education. So look at your candidate and see if they've been endorsed by the Chamber of Commerce. If they have been, then you need to look deeper into what they're uh, what they've been up to. That's uh, what I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dr. Wallace. So I want to follow the, the roadmap that, that Jesus Christ used, right, in his ministry. And what was that? First, he addressed the needs of the people, and then he pointed them to the, to the kingdom of God, right? So what I'm going to do, what we're going to do, we're going to meet the needs of the people. What are those needs? In Baltimore City, it is economic. So we're going to build, we're, we're implementing what we call the Marshall, the uh, Nehemiah Economic Development Plan. That will empower that will economically empower the two thirds of African Americans in this city, because I know that if we can do that and they can see the impact that we independent think can have, then that will that will draw them to our party, that will draw them to people like us who are independent thinkers, and that will build that base which allows us to move forward. And, and secondly, and lastly, I, we are pushing for term limits. I do believe that term limits is a political solution that can give us some momentum to make change. All right. And bringing this baby on home, the good man, Spike, what says you? What says you? (laughs) We have heard so many good solutions from here, uh, from this panel. Jade talked about building our own media, working together and building our own media, which I think is crucial and and coming up with coalitions to work together. Uh, Jeff talked about looking at the, uh, the, the, who is in the pockets of the politicians that you're voting for. I think that's a huge thing that that is often left behind. Uh, And Bob has talked about um, being impactful in our communities and helping build up our communities economically. And as a result of building them up economically, building them up socially and politically as well. I think tying all this together, we need to do this. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to. And right now, the binary choice that they've been given is the Republican good cop, bad cop routine of you either have to vote for the Republican lesser evil or the Democrat Mm. lesser evil. And when you vote for lesser evils, you just keep getting more and more evil. And that's the system that we have. We need to present, create a new paradigm and create a new binary choice for the American people. The people who put you in this mess and the monsters who help them to do that for their own benefit Mm. or people who want to give you your power back and completely dismantle the thieving mess that they have created and put the power and the money and the freedom and the wealth back in your hands where it always belonged. And in doing that, you know, when I was on the trail, I would say, hey, listen, we don't have a libertarian running for, you know, a, a city council in this city, but we have a Green Party person or we have an independent person or we have a Constitution Party person. Vote for them. Right. Vote against the Republicrats. Right. Vote against the the, uh, the the foxes that have been running the hen house that they set up for you. 
vote against the power structure in this country. And that's and that's where working together, creating our own media, being impactful of our communities. You know, if there's anything, one of the next things I'm going to do is see who we have in Baltimore that can help Bob with what he's talking about. Amen. One of the next things I'm going to do is talk with Jade about what I've been doing to help try to grow uh, uh, alternative media and social media. We're going to be reaching out to Jeff to see how we can help promote his message as well. We have to work together because they are working together. It's good cop, Absolutely. bad cop. They play good cop to their voting base and they play bad cop to the other voting base so that if you don't vote for them, you'll at least vote against the other one. And they're both doing it in concert together. But when it's time to screw the American people out of having other choices, they immediately work together. When it's time to hand off the next round of trillions of dollars to the billionaires who put them in office, they work together immediately. When it's time to rob you of everything that you have worked for, even before you were born by creating debt in your name that you have to pay off over the course of 40 years with interest, before you were even alive, they work together immediately. Until we recognize that they are the same monster, we can't work on slaying it together. Yeah, good point, good point. Wow, wow. Um, Yeah, Dr. Clark taught us that we have no friends. So we need to make friends now. We need to make friends. And uh, Brother Phil, last words, my good brother. Seiko, honestly, I have uh, so many thoughts right now in my head, Um, all these books that I need to read. But... To all the viewers right now, I would say the most important thing is one, to vote, and two, to get in to get involved. I believe that ultimately all politics is local and you can go down to city council meetings, you can go to school board meetings, you can go to Rotary Club, to Kiwanis Club, just so many different things. But I just encourage everyone to get involved because the federal government is not going to solve your or our issues. It starts at the local level and it starts with getting involved there. So thanks everyone for coming on the show. Seiko, over to you, brother. This show was brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes. We do tax resolution. We lend private money and debt consolidation. So if you need some of these services, we're waiting here for you. Credit fixes, tax resolutions, private money, and debt consolidation. Make sure you call Positive Vibes Incorporated. Take care. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss.